So I want to welcome you and thank God that we're all here and we're able to be here. It's amazing that we can uh, meet and not worry, up, worry about um, somebody busting through the back and arresting us because we're, you know, somehow criminals because of believing in Jesus Christ. That day is not here in America, at least not yet. <clears throat> it's, still, it's still legal to believe in Jesus Christ in America, and it's still, uh, still acceptable. Now, it's, not, it's, it's frowned upon by the world to, to, be a, to be a Christian, but you know what? Uh, the one that matters uh, thinks it's pretty good, so that's Jesus. He's the one that matters. So Ephesians 3 is where we're going to start tonight. Ephesians 3, starting really with probably verse 17 is what the one I'm thinking of. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, we could just camp there for probably weeks. There's so much in there. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So what does it mean to be rooted and grounded in love? Rooted and grounded. Well, I, my, my dad, as he put it, my dad was a dirt farmer, which means he didn't raise cows. We had some cows and chickens and stuff, but he pretty much just worked the soil. That's what he did, and he raised crops. And <clears throat> to be rooted and grounded would be that you had your roots down in the soil, and you were, you were able to withstand some pressure from the outside. On, on the, the homestead where I grew up out in the country, we had seven trees on our property right in the front that were gigantic trees, like 60, 70 foot tall maple trees that were decades old. And these trees were just like the monolithic mountains in our area, right? They were just these huge maple trees that had been there since what I thought was the beginning of time. And I'll never forget the one time when straight line winds came through and tipped over two of those big trees at once. And they took half the road and half of our front yard with them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the tree fell over, half of my front yard went with it. And, and then part of the road went with it. It actually closed the road and the whole nine yards tore down the power lines, all kinds of stuff. Now that tree was rooted and grounded, but, but then it actually got old and died. And so, but even when it tipped over, it brought all the soil with it. Why? Because it was so rooted and so grounded that when it did finally fall over, it took half the earth with it. 
So to be rooted and grounded in God's love is to be so ingrained with the love of God that you have received the love of God yourself to such a degree that no matter what comes against you, you are rooted, you have your roots deep in the love of God. You're grounded in the love of God so that no matter what happens, you can bend, you can get shoved around, you can get hit with a storm, you can have all kinds of stuff going, but you're rooted and you're grounded in the love of God. And no matter what happens to you, what happens? You stand strong. Why? Because you're rooted and grounded in his love. And his love never fails. See, to be rooted and grounded takes time. You don't become rooted and grounded in a week. You don't become rooted and grounded by spending you know, 90 seconds praying per day and never thinking about God the rest of your, your days. You don't become rooted and grounded by accident. You become rooted and grounded in God's love by spending time with him, by spending time in his word, by fellowshipping with one another, and also by listening and obeying what he asks us to do, what, what his instructions are for us. So to be to the, the, the apostle here, as he's writing to the Ephesian church, he says that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And as you're rooted and grounded in love, then what happens next? That you may comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, which is all the attributes of God's love for us. See, faith works by love, it says in Galatians. Faith works by love. So the, the, the operating system of faith is love. Without love, you can have all the faith in the world that says in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have faith to moon mountains, and you can do all these great things, but if you don't have love, you're just a, cla you're just a clanging cymbal or a gong, it says. See, so faith works by love. So understanding the love of God and being rooted and grounded in love is paramount to everything else in God's kingdom. Because it, God even says, God is love, right? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that live, loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He who loveth not, come on. Knoweth not. Nobody was in, saved in the 70s? Come on. Y'all remember that song? Some of you do. We, that was the songs we used to sing back in like the pre-video days, back in the 80s, you know, along with a few other ones I won't, I won't torture you with. But the love of God is so paramount to who he is and to our future that he says, I need you to be rooted and grounded in God's love. That because when you're rooted and grounded in God's love, then you'll be able to comprehend what is God's love. After you've been rooted and grounded in it, then you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints how wide God's love is, how deep God's love is, how long and how high God's love is. 
God's love is inexhaustible. It says that God's love is perfect love. God's love casts out fear, right? Perfect love casts out fear. So God's love is inexhaustible. It's unexplainable. It's unfathomable. It's, you can't understand it with your finite human mind. None of us can. Because God's love makes no human sense. When you look at it, if any of us were God, we would not have done what God did. Send the innocent to die for the ungrateful guilty. Not only were we guilty, but we were guilty and ungrateful. See, it says, rarely would a would someone die for a godly man, but yet God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. His love is giving. His love is so inexplainable that when you demonstrate God's love to someone, it puts them on tilt and it could easily make them scratch their head and wonder what's wrong with you when you show them the love of God. When you demonstrate and walk in God's love, it confuses the devil. Because it makes sense that when someone does you wrong, you want revenge. That, is, that makes sense to the human mind. That makes sense to everyone around us. What doesn't make sense is when someone does you wrong and you bless them in return. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that makes the devil go like this and scratch his head and go, what is up with those people? Let's throw some more you know, bad things at those people. And many times what happens in our lives, I have a whiteboard, do I have markers? Yes, I do. Okay. In our lives, many times we look at and we could say, well, God loves me. And you'd say, well, how do you know God loves me? And I would say this. There's two ways of of approaching this, and one is the correct way and one's the other way, okay? So, nobody laughed, it's all right. So as we look at this, you could say, so as you look at this, it says that, on this side it says love, and this, this side over here it says blessing. Many times, this is what happens. We, we experience some of the love of God, and we're over here, and then we begin to get blessed, and we're like, ooh, that's good. We're blessed. We feel, we feel the, the load of sin lifted off from us, and we feel freedom. And then some other things might start happening, and the blessings start piling up, and we're like, this is great. The blessings are coming. This is awesome. God really loves me. And what happens many times is that we start off with God loves me because of the, and I know this because it's in the Bible, okay, that's a, that's a Bible, by the way. Um, it's a very bad rendition of a Bible, but it's a Bible. We understand initially that God loves us because of the Bible, or because of a teacher, or because of a parent, or because uh, someone shared it with us. Okay, so we experience God's love on a, on a true gift basis, and so we receive God's love. And after we receive God's love, then all these blessings start coming into our lives. 
And we have maybe some new friends and God's blessed us with things financially or, or physically or maybe we were healed and we got all these things piled up and man, we're blessed, man. I'm feeling the love of God. And then something happens in your life that's not really a blessing. And many times, if you're not careful, you can start looking back at this and go, where is God and why aren't I blessed? When the reality is, are you, do you understand and know that God loves you and because of that you're blessed? Or do you, are you blessed and therefore you believe that God loves you because you're blessed? You get where I'm coming from? Is it, do you, do you look at the blessings of, oh, look at all this, man, God loves me, God has blessed me, he loves me so much. But what if something negative happens? Does God still love you when a negative thing happens? Five years ago, I had a heart attack, uh, had open heart surgery. I got news for you. Don't sign up for it, it's no fun, okay? It's not, not fun at all, don't do it. But you know, in the middle of all that, I knew God loved me. It's, well, well, your health was gone. You almost, you know, you, you, were, you were very seriously, it was a serious surgery. You were serious, seriously ill. But you know what? In the middle of all of it, I always knew God loved me. And I, I didn't doubt God's love. Why? Because his love is not based on whether everything's going my way. See, you can be absolutely sure and convinced and fully persuaded, rooted and grounded in God's love, even when everything's going to Hades in a handbasket. You really can. You can, you can be rooted and grounded in God's love, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's happening around you. And when people get in trouble, when, when humans get in trouble, is when we equate, I'm getting everything I want to God loves me. Well, God loves you whether you're getting anything you want or not. And it's all dependent upon where you are in your, in your walk with God and, and whether the devil's you know, beating you up today or not, you know, and whether you're gonna stand up and fight back. And there, there's so many different variables. But the two, no matter what happens, you gotta realize God works everything for your good, even the stuff the devil throws at you. He can work it for your good if you'll let him. If you'll allow it, no matter what happens to you, I would challenge you, no matter what happens to you, look at that, whatever it is, and say, God, somehow, you're gonna have to work this for my good because you said you would. No matter what it is, say, you're going to have to work this for my good. This has to work for my good because your word says in Romans 8, 28, that all things, for God works all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So no matter what happening, you can be rooted and grounded in the love of God when you're blessed, you can be rooted and grounded in the love of God when things aren't going so great. You can be rooted and grounded no matter what is going on in your life because the one is not dependent upon the other. We get our revelation that God loves us from the word of God. 
It's where he says, for he, he sent his son and he died for the ungodly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. It's his love that says, but with a spirit of adoption, we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. He loves us with an ever, he loves you with an everlasting love. One that's not based upon your performance. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, the high priest, one of the jobs of the high priest is he had to examine every single sacrifice that was brought to the temple had to be examined and certified to be proper before it could be sacrificed. So that's why Jesus said to the leper, go show yourself to the priest and then make the commensurate offering suitable for your cleansing. Because the high priest had to inspect all the sacrifices. Now, this is, I want you to get this. This is very, very important. When the high priest examined the turtle dove or the lamb or whatever it was that was going to be sacrificed, they always sacrificed the innocent for the guilty. When they were going to sacrifice this lamb or this turtle dove or whatever it was, they always examined it. They would examine the hoofs, the teeth, and they would examine like behind the ears and under the legs, and they would totally examine to make sure there was no blemishes, that this, this animal was pure and perfect. The one thing they didn't do is they, yeah, is they didn't examine the person bringing the sacrifice. Get what I'm saying? So, person is coming to bring a lamb. They're bringing a lamb. The high priest examined the lamb. The high priest didn't examine the person bringing the lamb. The high priest examined the lamb. The person bringing the sacrifice or benefiting from the sacrifice was not the person that was not the thing that was being examined. It was the sacrifice. I'm going somewhere. When Jesus came to the apostle John, I'm sorry, John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Okay, are you following me now? Now, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the innocent that died for the guilty, us, and all of mankind. And when God, the ultimate judge, looked at the sacrifice, he didn't look at you or me he looked at the perfect spotless lamb of God. So our behavior is not what gets us reconciled to God. It's Jesus' behavior, not yours. So just like in the Old Testament, the person bringing the lamb didn't get examined. It was the lamb that got examined. 
And the same thing is true now. We that bring the Lamb of God, when we call on the name of the Lord, when we call on Jesus' name to be saved, to be healed, to be, to be delivered, when we call on his name, God does not look at the person bringing that name of Jesus. He looks at the name. He doesn't look at the person. He looks at the name. So what is the name? The name is perfect. The name is a name above every name. That there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. See, that name is perfect. That lamb was perfect. Even though you aren't perfect, when you bring the lamb of God, the Jesus, the lamb of God, what happens? God views you as perfect through Christ. That's why he said that he, made, he took our sinfulness and they put our sinfulness on the innocent and he gave us his righteousness. Now that's the best deal ever. God took our unrighteous, awful sin and placed it upon innocent Jesus and he took Jesus' righteousness and he placed it upon us. It says we have the breastplate of righteousness. So why does that matter to you today? <clears throat> to, be rooted in, to be rooted and grounded in the love of God begins with a fully persuaded position that you are loved. See, if you don't really believe you're loved, you know how you act? You're always trying to prove something. <clears throat> I don't know about you, <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know about you, but whenever I am in a group or in somewhere and there's someone in there that's always trying to prove something, it's wearying, it's tiring for me to, to have an experience like that when someone in the group is trying to prove something. Anybody else ever run into anybody that was trying to prove something? Right? It's, it, it, it's like, no fun when you're dealing with someone who's trying to prove something. And it's, it's hard to pick up, and you don't know why, but it's just sometimes just irritating because you're like, what do you have to prove? Why are you acting like this? Um, so my point is, you don't have to prove anything to God. You don't have to prove anything to God. Here's what the deal is. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you're saved. You call on him. It's so simple, a two-year-old could do it. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's simple, okay? You have to lay down your life, and you have to give him your life. You have to be willing to walk away from your will and let his will be done in your life. Jude 1 verse 20 talks about, it says, keep yourself in the love of God, how? By praying in the Spirit. So one of the ways that we can develop our revelation of love is by praying in the Spirit. What do you mean pray in the Spirit? Pray in tongues. Read 1 Corinthians 12. It says there's gifts of diversities of tongues and interpretation of tongues. There's prophecy. There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom, miracles, faith, healing, all the gifts of the Spirit are available to us today. One of them is to speak in tongues, okay? So one of the ways that we develop our rooting and grounding in the love of God is by praying in the Spirit. 
praying in tongues. It's one of the ways. It's Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Read it. You can see it for yourself. It says, keeping yourself in the love of God, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit always. So that's another way to keep yourself in the love of God. And as we look at, as we look at this, I want you to know, I want us to remember that you are loved. That, <laughs> I can't get away from this. I've been praying and praying and praying and saying, Lord, what, it, what is exactly that you want to communicate to your people on Wednesday night? I've been, that's always my prayer. What is it exactly? I want to hit the mark, Jesus. What do you want to say? And tonight, the only thing that I know for sure that I'm supposed to communicate is that you are loved. And the more you understand how loved that you are, the more faith you will have, the closer to God you will feel, the less that you will feel like you have to prove yourself, the less that you'll have to try to uh, put yourself first because you'll be able to trust God that God will take care of you even if you're last in line. See, and that's just knowing that God loves you. When you look in the mirror, I challenge you, look at that person in the mirror and maybe you want to do this when nobody else is around, or maybe if you got a goofy, goofy wife or roommate, you can, they'll put up with you. But you look in the mirror, and I want you to just look at you and say, you're loved. Look yourself right in the eye and tell yourself that you're loved in the mirror. You are loved. You are loved by God. God thinks you're awesome. Just knowing that you're loved changes everything. Knowing that you're loved. Now, you could say, well, I know I'm loved by my parents, or I know I'm loved by my husband, or I know I'm loved by my wife, or I know I'm loved by... But knowing that God, the creator of the universe, loves you, that he loves you. It's not he puts up with you. It's not he feels sorry for you. It's that he loves you. He chooses to love you. He doesn't have to love you. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. He could cast us all away. But he truly loved humanity so much that he gave his only son. I've heard it said that Jesus came to the earth to build an army and I would like to say that I personally disagree with that. We might be an army in, in some way, but Jesus did not come to the earth to build an army. Jesus came to the earth to rescue God's family. He came to rescue God's family. That's why he came. He came to lay down his life and rescue God's children from the tyranny of the devil. That's why Jesus came. He came because of love. He, became, he came because he loves each and every one of us so much. We can't do anything good enough to deserve that love, but what we can do is we can receive it and say, Lord, I receive your love. Lord, I understand. I don't, I don't understand your love, but I know that you love me, and I choose to believe that you love me. That's a, that's a first step 
in really growing in your faith is you have to use your faith to believe that God loves you. That not only does God like, love you, he actually likes you. He enjoys your company if you'll spend time with him. You know, there was, there was a, a time a number of years ago and, and I had been foolish and said something stupid to my wife and she had reason to be mad at me and she was mad at me and it was my fault, 100%. And I was, we were actually on vacation and I was walking by myself feeling sorry for myself and wishing I could shut my big mouth once in a while. Um, all, and all the guys in here said amen, right? Um, and I'm walking on the beach, kind of feeling sorry for myself, and she's back at the hotel, and I'm walking. I said, God, I'm sorry. Um, what do I do, you know? I, I, I messed up again, you know? You ought to just kick me to the curb. I was just having a pity party. And I never forget what he said to me. He's just so clear. The Spirit of God just said to me, he says, son, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, what? I'm so proud of you. Why are you so proud of me? I'm an idiot. And he says, no, you're not an idiot. You're growing, but you know, I'm proud of you. Why are you proud of me? Because you come to me and talk to me. So I'm proud of you. I started to cry. I went back to my wife and asked her to forgive me. Of course she did. And what I'm saying is, when we think that we don't deserve God's love, here's the reality. We're right. <laughs> we don't deserve it. But he's chosen to give it anyway. That's the good news. The good news is you know, we all know in our heart of hearts, we don't deserve what God has given to us. We don't deserve it. We're right. When you say, I don't deserve it, I deserve to go to hell. Yeah, you're right, you do. Me too. Next question. My point is, God chooses to love us. And that is an amazing truth that God chooses to look beyond all our warts and all our faults and all that, and he just says, no, I love them. I think they're awesome. They're my kids. And that's literally, that's it. He says, no, I think they're awesome and I love them, period. And the devil, the accuser of the brethren comes up and he, and he goes, what? All I see is the blood of Jesus. I don't see nothing but righteous See, that's the way, that's the picture you, that I want to convey to you tonight is that God is looking at you and he's smiling. He's not looking at you with some stern, judgmental frown. Man, God is looking at you today and going, that's my boy, that's my girl. Proud of them. They're seeking me. They haven't given up. Good job. Thanks for not giving up. I know it's tough sometimes. Thanks for not giving up. That's what God's saying to all of us. Man, you can do this. I'm with you. Don't, don't quit. I love you. Please don't quit. Look up. Somebody's right there that's about to help you. That's, that's literally what it is. Just look up. God is preparing someone to come alongside of you and help you. Just look up and get your, get your eyes off the off your shoes and look up to God. Because if you do, I believe that someone, God is preparing someone to come alongside of you right where you are. I believe this is a word from the Lord for someone here. That God is 
bringing someone, even as we speak, to come alongside and to, to help with that situation. I don't even know what the situation is. If you're online and that's you, I believe that God has, has heard your prayers and he's moving on somebody's heart right now to do exactly what you've asked God to have someone do. That's, that's God loves you. It's amazing that God moves and tells and moves different parts of the body and it's, I, I've seen it for years and it's so wonderful to see how God moves like that and God lets one part of the body help another part of the body and it just, it's so wonderful. But see, he loves each and every one of us in a real way and he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. I believe there is someone that specifically needs prayer to understand or to receive like a, a breakthrough in the area of understanding the love of God. I, I, I believe there's one person, there might be more, but I believe there's one. And I, I want that person, whoever you are, to come up to the front and my wife and I are gonna um, pray with you to, to really receive a revelation knowledge of the love of God. There's one particular person, I don't know who it is, but whoever you are, come up afterwards. And in the meantime, for us, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, and you're here, here you are on a Wednesday night, this guy talking about the love of God, being rooted and grounded, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you've never prayed and made him Jesus Christ, Lord of your life. That needs to happen. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. You can't get there any other way. Jesus is the door. Not a door, the door. There's one door. His name is Jesus. And you, you need to make him Lord of your life. And you make him Lord by simply declaring, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. And if you've not done that, and you'd like to do that tonight, lift up a hand with me if you would. Lift up a hand if you say, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I see your hand, thank you, sir. If, let's pray with our brother right here. Let's pray with him. And all of you, join with me if you would. Say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your love that you demonstrated by giving your son. I ask for a revelation of your love. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I make Jesus Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.